evening, friends. Very happy to be here again tonight to minister in the name of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. I was just coming in a few moments ago and met a friend of mine, a friend of yours. Many people know him. I asked him if he'd speak for me tonight, and he wouldn't do it, so it's Brother Paul King. Would you just come out here, Brother Paul King, just for a moment? Brother Paul King, who has ministry friends here. And we're always happy to have our visiting brothers with us off the field. We could probably exchange many words about the great harvest that we're in now, harvesting souls for the Master. Had a wonderful meeting last night, as I was told. Seldom it ever happens like that, that people sometimes in giving out prayer cards and bringing the people, we only have just, I just come up and say, well, bring up so many of certain. We don't get too many in there, but when sometimes the Holy Spirit coming down, he can do more like that just from place to place. He said, I believe he was telling me that a lady in a bower and a stretcher was made well, and somebody on crutches, woman paralyzed, sitting in a wheelchair. Our Lord is God, isn't he? And he's marvelous and wonderful. Now, as we approach upon the Lord's grounds tonight for the gospel's sake, let us first bow our heads in a word of prayer to the author of the book before we try to open it. Our beloved Savior, we come to thee tonight on the grounds of thy invitation that whosoever will let him come and take other waters of life freely. That's what we come for tonight, Lord, if thou would meet us now or continue with this great meeting that's already in progress, coming up and hearing the children crying and clapping their hands and rejoicing because they have everlasting life, eternal life cannot perish, the promise of being raised up in the last day. And it makes us happy, Father, in this day when all hopes of worldly governments and so forth is fading away, the world and its order is passing back to civilization, the pinnacle swings backward, but the kingdom of God is marching forward with full array. The armor's all gleaming, the banner streaming, the morning star leading the way. From victory on to victory until the final battle, arms are stacked, last prayer has been prayed, Bible's laying closed, the smoke of the battle is settling, sun's gone down, then Jesus shall come. We'll see the lovely one. We pray tonight, Lord, for every minister, these on the platform, my brethren, especially for Brother King now, who is needing thee and wanting your great power to be upon him, we pray that you'll bless him in a marvelous way. Bless all the clergy everywhere, naming the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless the laity, the strangers in our gate. Heal the sick and the afflicted. Now, Father, open the word to us, won't you? For we ask that in Jesus' name, amen.
I just kind of love the Word. I just started reading this afternoon, and I was a little tired from last night. The anointing of the Holy Spirit didn't leave me too quickly last evening, and and today I just had a great feast reading over in Genesis, and I am hoping someday to cross the nation, God willing, just preaching the gospel, just of a just revival. It's not just going from church to church, place to place. I like to see a real old-fashioned sweeping revival, souls born into the kingdom of God. Now it's kind of hard when it's mixed up with healing and so forth to change around. A few nights to stay this way, just a few nights, you're wore out and gone. So that way maybe stay a month at a time and then you can really have a revival. Over in the book of Job, we want to center our thoughts tonight around Job, the 19th chapter, about the 25th to the 27th verses. We wish to read a portion of his word, just for a little basic thought. And before we do that, I believe this is a fresh box of handkerchiefs here to be prayed over if I happen to forget them. Just now shall we bow our heads just a moment in a word of prayer while you join with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Thou who knowest even the death of a sparrow, one cannot fall unless your great spirit so sensitive to everything that even the little insignificant bird might fall to the street. Father knows all about it. How much more do you know that we, your children, redeemed by the blood of thy Son, elected by grace, and is bowing our heads in humility before thee to ask through the bleeding sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy for our kindred. In here is little brown trousers, handkerchiefs, little bibs for babies. They're needy, Lord. Will you be merciful? I pray that you'll heal everyone. These are only tokens, Lord. We realize that the price for healing has already been paid there at Calvary. You were wounded for our transgressions with your stripes. We were healed at Calvary. But these are little symbols of faith that we love you and believe you and are praying one for another. As you said, confess our faults one to the other and pray one for another that we may be healed. This, Father, I send these handkerchiefs and little articles here to the needy, praying that you will heal every one of them in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. In those little tokens, we've had so many things done. I've sent out about a thousand a week from the office or more. And so many things are done to the laying on of handkerchiefs. The Lord has just blessed it in a marvelous way. Testimonies, testimonies of what our Lord has done through just the feeble efforts of laying handkerchiefs on the sick. We realize there's no virtue in a handkerchief, just a little piece of cloth, more than the whole cloth that you're wearing, but it's, um, it's doing something and following the scriptures. 
Here's some time ago down in Louisiana, Brother Moore here on the platform and I, we were going down, way down to some little city, the little church, to have a meeting. And his beloved daughter and wife and all of them was along, and I was had my suitcase that some folks gave me many, many years ago over in California, and I just bought me a new suit. I had it in the suitcase and had an old one on. And he had it laying on top of his car, driving fast down to Louisiana. All at once, when we got down there, we found out the suitcase wasn't on top. It's gone. I didn't even have a pocket handkerchief. So he was very much discouraged. I said, oh, the Lord will take care of that. All my wardrobe complete was in it, besides my overalls at home. So he said, Brother Branham, I'm going out and buy a new suit. I said, no, it's all right. He said, you haven't got a chance, Brother Branham. So that was lost way up along the road there. So just lots of colored people live up through this way. And so now the first thing that if some man come along the road and he found the suitcase, I said, my Bible is in there, it had my name in it. He said, well, if he found that suitcase, Brother Branham, said the thing you do is sell those suits and so forth like that. I said, well, maybe he needs it worse than I do. Because the Lord gave them to me, so maybe he needs them worse. The Lord's given them to him. He said, well, and if he found my Bible and if he knew me, I said he'd bring it back anyhow. He said, oh, no, Brother Branham said if a sinner finds it, that he'll sell the clothes and said, if a Christian finds it, they'll cut those suits up and send them to one another for prayer calls. <laughs> you haven't got a chance. So I said, well, we'll just trust the Lord. Two days passed, and Brother Brown over there, he said, I want in on this too. I want you to, I absolutely want to get you some new suits. I said, no, the Lord will bring them back somehow. So we, two or three days passed, he said, you see, he said, we met a police down there, and the police said, sure, I'll, I'll go up the road looking for it. His mother had been healed in my meetings. He said, certainly, one of the state police. And we had told him we lost a suitcase up there, way up in the swamp somewhere. So maybe 200 miles, 300 up down the road. So then the next day we went over, and Brother Jack was just persistent that I was going to get a suit of clothes anyhow. I said, boy, a thousand miles from home, no clothes at home, and None here. And by what are you going to do without even a handkerchief or a clean shirt? I said, well, uh, the Lord will take care of that. So we went over to Brother Brown, and then Brother Brown, he's going to come out and he's going to make me go get a suit of clothes. Just about time Brother Brown come out, the phone rang. The old colored brother called up and said, is Brother Brown there? I said, I was done down his suitcase. I was on my way. <laughs> so, uh, trust in the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Whatever it is, all things work together for good. You just can't lose when you become a Christian. Just can't lose. Just trust in Him and whatever the way goes. Just keep your sails set to His Spirit. He'll guide you into the harbor. It'll all be all right. Now, in Job, if you've got your Bible, you were keeping down the marks just for a few moments not knowing exactly what the Holy Spirit will do tonight, night by night we do not understand the way he works. He works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Now in the 25th verse we read like this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that 
at the last days he shall stand upon the earth. And though as the skinworms have destroyed this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. May he add the blessings to the word. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, was supposed to even be written before Moses wrote Genesis. But the oldest book in the Bible was speaking of redemption. And yet redemption was far way before that. Redemption is one of the oldest things in the Bible. Did you know redemption was even before the plan of redemption was laid out before the world was ever formed? Think of that. God foreseeing and making a way of redemption before he even made the world. For the Bible plainly says that Christ was predestinated, foreordained, and was the Lamb of God slain for the foundation of the world. That's right. Way before the world was made, God had a plan of redemption. As soon as Satan, you know, the old the argument is, why couldn't God have bypassed all of this and not had any of it? But God putting Satan almost co-equal with him, Satan taking the things of God and perverted them into the evil thought, and through there begin to pervert things into evil instead of good. And God, as soon as the first thing was done out of his great treasure chest of love, he had a plan of redemption that quick. Didn't have to sit down and think it all over how it would be. He was God, isn't he? He knew how it would be. He had it in his great heart how he would bring all this about. And then if he foreknew the church, foreknew Christ, foreknew the plan, and set it all in order in the world, turning around, and you being dead to yourself, dead in Christ, and alive, after your death to yourself, alive in Christ, God working all things together for the good of that loving, how can you lose? Just can't lose. There's no way of losing. The church would just really find that out. If you could positionally find your place in Christ, then all these other things would just fade away like a shadow. Everyone that cometh to God, that's true, must uh, have their shadows and temptations and fears and so forth, but just don't get all tore up about it. What's a little suffering for a little while knowing that the glory of God will be revealed in the last days when Jesus comes, when we'll be made black unto him? He's just working everything together. Did you know maybe if you were sick, something happened to you, that God might have had to do that just to bring you a little closer to him? You know, one time it was told, I don't know whether this is authentic or not, whether a missionary told me in, in Palestine. However, he said he's seen a, a shepherd coming with the sheep and said one sheep he had to pack it and he had a splint on his leg. And he said, uh, did the sheep fall, sir, and hurt his leg? He said, no. So what happened to his leg? He said, I broke it. He said, you broke it? He said, you must be a very cruel shepherd to do that. He said, no. He said, see, this sheep wouldn't mind me. Kept going astray, and I know it was going to get killed. So I had to break its leg in order to bring it up close to me and give it just a little special treatment. Feed it out of my hand. It would make it love me more. 
So maybe God sometimes just has a little something happen to you and he can just bring you just a little closer to him. Love you a little extra and then give you a little special treatment of healing. And you'll say, yes, Lord, I believe you are. See, see how God does that? Isn't he wonderful? We just believe him. Redemption. And God has a way of redemption. If a man cannot redeem, means to be brought back. It's like the old saying, you go down to, every time I see a pawnbroker with those three balls hanging out in front, it makes me think, now I hope there's not a pawnbroker here. <laughs> if there is, I don't mean this to you, sir. That's your way of making a living. I suppose it's legitimate and you have as much right to do that as anyone. But a pawnbroker always reminds me, you know, the devil put us in a pawn shop. <laughs> but Christ redeemed us. <laughs> He came back and redeemed us out of the devil's pawn shop, see. He put us in the pawn shop, but Christ came and paid the price, and we're free. You know, the trouble of it is that people don't realize, they think you have to do something to be free. You're already free. The only thing you have to do is know about it. You say, well, there's something i got to do, Brother Bram. I'll have to know you don't have to do one thing. It's by grace you're saved. See? See? Not nothing that you do, there isn't one thing you can do with not to anything. The plan's already made, redemption's already paid for. The only thing you have to do is accept it. One time there was a farmer, crows were in his field, they were going south. And the crows were getting in his field, picking up the corn and so forth, and he set a trap and he caught a crow. So he tied the old fellow by the foot. Tied him up there and said, I'll just scare the rest of them away. And the other crows would fly across and say, Come on, Johnny Crow, let's go south quickly. The storms and winters are coming. Johnny Crow would try to crawl and he could not be his tide. So one day there was a kind-hearted person passed by. Poor old crow there was about starved to death. Couldn't hardly get up. And he said, I feel sorry for that poor bird. So he just goes over, he cuts the band and lets the crow loose. But you know, he'd been bound so long till he still thought he was tied. The crows would go across, hollering, Johnny Crow, come on, let's go south, hurry up, the north winds are blowing. The old crow would call back, I can't because I'm still bound. See, he was free and didn't know it. And that's the way many people are tonight. Them ladies or whoever it was sitting here last night in wheelchairs, they heard the good news. Tonight, their wheelchairs are not here. They're probably sitting out there in the audience somewhere. See? They were free. They were free all the time. Jesus cut them loose at Calvary when the bloodstream came from his body to free every person from sickness. The sinners that accepted Christ last night were sitting bound last night under a chain of sin. And tonight, enjoying the freedom of the Lord Jesus after they heard of the Emancipation of the proclamation. They are free. And during the time of the slavery, before the emancipation of the proclamation was signed, while they tell me that the slaves in the South would climb up the hill, they were going to be free at sunrise. Some could climb a little higher than the others. The older ones couldn't get up. The younger went on to the top of the hill. For as soon as they seen the sun, they were free. So the ones that got the highest just as soon as the sun peeped up, they said, We're free! Hollered it to the next group. The next one hollered, We're free! On down the hill, passing the news, We're free! 
And every man that sees the sun is free. You know what I mean. You see the sun seen in the way of the revelation that God has revealed him to you? The only way you'll ever know it is when God has revealed him to you. That's the basis of all the scriptures. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven upon this rock, I'll build the church. Is that right? So it's spiritual revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ is where he built his church. Now, little did the old timers back in there maybe realize that it would be in this way if they by faith saw the complete time of redemption and they'd see people who would be absolutely introduced to the infallible proofs of redemption and turn around and leave it. That's the sad part. The fellow that's loose and don't want to be free. Now, Adam in the Garden of Eden, when he first sinned, God had a way of redemption for him right quick just as soon as he sinned. God made a way of redemption. And before Adam could ever approach back to fellowship with the Father, God had to slay an innocent lamb or sheep and make him a cloth to go around him and throw out the welcome carpet for Adam to walk back on the carpet of redemption to come into his presence again. God always had a plan of redemption, and that's been through blood ever since the very beginning and dawn of time, preceded in the mind of God before the world ever come into existence. Now when Adam and Eve, our first father and mother, started walking out of the Garden of Eden, while cloudily the sin hanging over their brows, the clouds of darkness hanging around them after they had received their, their word of their eternal destination, they walked out with those bloody sheepskins around them. They had some little ray of hope that sometime there was coming a Redeemer. See? They had a ray of hope. It was cloudy and dark because tears of regret was falling down their cheeks from their sins, and they were sorry of their sins, but they were they knew that somewhere there'd be a redemption because he said, I'll put enmity between her seed and the serpent's seed. And uh, so many people in quoting the twenty third Psalm say like this, say, Yea, though I walk through the dark valleys of the shadows of death, it doesn't say dark valley. It says through the valley of the shadow. And if it's dark, there'd be no shadow. It takes a certain amount of light to make shadow. So death, as in the very beginning, never had a complete darkness. It was a shadow. So there had to be a certain percent of light. And when Adam and Eve was walking out of the Garden of Eden, the shadows of redemption was before them. In the Mosaic laws and the ceremonies, and the sacrifices and so forth was also a foreshadow of the coming of the perfect sacrifice, the perfect plan of God's redemption. And when they forced all those saints through the bleeding sacrifice of the animals that they were slaying as a, as a go-between or covering for their sins in that shadow, they foresaw the coming of the Lord Jesus. And it was that way until... Finally, at last, the day spring from all high spring forth, 
And those who sat in the regions of the shadows of death saw a great light. Amen. When God himself was made manifest your orders to take away sin, then they seen full redemption through God himself. To the day spring from on high come forth. Now, in the Old Testament are the shadows, the laws, and the types. How that God giving those things back there, foretyping the coming of the Son of God, for instance, in a mosaic uh, dispensation, when God told Moses to take a lamb, first one from the old mother Yo, and to keep it up, take it on the tenth day and keep it until the fourteenth day to be tried, purged, find out if there's any blemish about the lamb. You know the law of redemption in the Old Testament, how that the innocent must die for the guilty, fall away from, all the way from Eden to the cross, the innocent died for the guilty. Our laws of old redemption, say for instance a little mule was born out in the pasture, and that little mule had both ears broke down, cross-eyed, not need his tail sticking right straight up. What a horrible-looking critter. If the little fellow could think for himself, he'd say, Well, Mammy, I suppose when the master of the house comes out here, it's not me in the head. I ain't worth nothing. I'll never be able to make it because look, look what a horrible-looking thing I am. That's the way people still try to think. They're unworthy. Yeah. You are. All of us is unworthy. But if the mother was well instructed in the laws of redemption, she'd say, Honey, look, the priest will never see you, but the man of the house will have to take a lamb without a blemish, and that lamb will have to be looked over, and the lamb will have to be killed so that you can live. You say, Why is this, Mammy? You say, Because you're born under a birthright. You're the first one. That's the way it is today. We guilty, unworthy, should die. We're not worthy of living. We're not worthy to come to Christ. We're not worthy to ask anything. But God never looks at your unworthiness. He looks at the Lamb. Now, if you can't find no fault in Christ, then you're free. See? He died in your stead. Now, if there's any fault with him, you're not free yet. But God's going to examine you. He examines the Lamb. You say, I'm not worthy to walk out of this wheelchair tonight. That's right. You're not. But God don't examine you. He examines Christ. And if he's worthy, then you can walk. That's right. The bit of what you think about it. You say, Brother Branham, I'm an awful woman. I've lived illegally. I've done. I've even broke my marriage vows. I've done this. And Mr. Branham, I'll tell you, I've been a drunkard. I've done this. No matter what you've done, God never looks at you. He looks at the Lamb. And he's already accepted the Lamb. So you're free. God can't see you. He sees the Lamb. Dies in your stead. That's enough to make a fellow shout, isn't it? Sure is when you think that. Upon those bases of the word. You believe in shouting? I heard you doing it a while ago. You know, I'm not very emotional myself. I believe it. Of course, I get a little religious sometimes. You know, you kind of carrying on a little. But, you know, it reminds me but that so many people criticize shouting happiness in the Christian heart. We should be happy. We got a lot to be happy about. Does anybody in the world want to be happy? We should. But they might have a farmer one time who, who went and 
He wasn't very much of a farmer. He had a lot of great, big, nice barns and tractors, and, but the fellow was just too lazy to work. That's all. He wouldn't make no hay. And, but they might have some of these big churches and theologians that won't dig down and really take the Word of God. They got big churches and a lot of music and a lot of refinery, but that don't mean it all. So he, he wouldn't work, and over his neighbor had a little old barn over there. He didn't have very much of a stall to keep his cattle in his anchor, but he sure was an industrious man. He really worked. Raised great big crops of alfalfa and put it up in what barn he had, the man in the mission, you know. So, you know, come winter time, and there's a little calf born in each one of the uh, barns. The next spring, when the spring winds begin to blow, they turn the little calves out. Well, this one little calf has turned out a great big cathedral, you know. He was so poor, he couldn't stand nothing. The wind nearly blowed him down. He walked out there, and the little fellow didn't have nothing to eat all through the winter, so he fed weeds, and he didn't have very much strength to stand on. <laughs> oh, and he can't believe the divine heat. Need some vitamins. <laughs> Well, the first thing you know, they let the other little calf out over in the other barn, brother, and he's all fat and round. He'd had good alfalfa, plenty of vitamins. He was fat around that wind, beginning to hit him, that mighty Russian wind, you know, coming down. My, he just kicked up and jumped and bucked and all around in the crellers as hard as he could. And that little bitty skinny calf out of the great big fine barn stuck his head through the crack of his man said, that's fanaticism. <laughs> Just why? Understand. That's what it is today with the church. Undernourished. Christ died for sinners. You can be free. Yes, sir. He died to heal the sick. It's not fanaticism. Let the Holy Spirit strike you one time. You feel like a little cutting up, too. Get some good rich vitamins first of the Word of God. That's the best vitamin I know of, is the Word of God. Now, Moses looked over the lamb, said, Take a lamb, every one of you, for the house, and it must be first put up and tried. Listen, you new converts now. We thank God for many every night. Now look, first thing comes along is a trial. As soon as you come to Christ, something's going to happen. Every son that cometh to God must first be tried. Yes. Scourge, whipped a little. But if you think happen, you really try out. Child training. That's what it is. You believe in scriptural trial, child training? Sure. The Bible speaks of training a child, a tutor, and so forth. Bring him up. Straighten him out. Give him what he belongs. That's what's the matter with life. Preachers will let the congregation get by with anything. They need a little child training. That's right. That's what's the matter with the world today. We've really got so much in the natural juvenile delinquency. We need some child training. I think it's a lot of parent delinquency. My daddy, he really believed in that child training. He had a switch laying up over the door and a razor strap hanging on the wall. We know what it meant. <laughs> Too bad we ever got away from it, isn't it? Yes. Child training. We need preachers that will preach the word. Tell us the truth about it. Tell us we 
must be born again and bring us on the basis of the shed blood to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Introduce all the good things that God's got for us. That's the pastor. There it is. That's the kind you get the vitamins from. Might be in a barn or a mission, but just so you're getting fed is the main thing. Notice. But now, it must be tried first and then killed in the evening before the elders. And you notice the Bible speaking of the Lamb of Redemption there is spoke of it as in singer, kill the Lamb. But in the other terms, every family killed a lamb. But all represented one lamb. And the spiritual meaning of it, that each one of those families, the father being the priest of the own house, they were to kill the lamb for each house that they could eat the meat. And uh, But it all represented one lamb. And that means that in reality... There's many missions or many churches, bodies of believers, all together representing one lamb. We're all feeding off the same lamb. See what I mean? Here is one church over here, another one down here, and one in Africa, one in Asia. But it's all from the same lamb. The redemption comes from the same lamb. And we are fed the body of the Lord Jesus, which is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We receive Him in the form of the Word. And a correct shepherd will feed his congregation on the Word, the Lamb. Take it without water, not solid. Just eat it raw, roasted with bitter herbs. Sometimes it's kind of hard yet. Maybe break up a few things, but don't worry, it's all right. Eat it anyhow. You're getting ready for the journey. You see it? Now, then the blood was hopped up, was put over the lintel out the door. Now, the Israelites were inside. There wasn't one more thing they had to do but come under the blood. That was God's plan of redemption. Under the blood. Once under the blood, saved. Oh, I wish I could drill that right now. Once under the blood, saved. Hebrews 10. For by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified. God said that. That's his word. Through the offering of his blood, once a man in the Old Testament, when he'd done something wrong, he took the lamb, laid it on the altar, put his hands up on his head, confessed his sins, throat cut, and when the little fellow dying, shaking, bleeding, the sinner realized that that should be him, and the lamb taken his place. But he went back out with the same desire. He is caught committing adultery, stealing, lying, whatever he's doing. He went with the same desire because it, inside that blood cell was nothing but an animal life. It was born by sex. Had not the strength to take away only to a shadow. But Christ died once. And through the breaking of his blood cell, not sex, God himself. Hallelujah. Putting your hand one time upon the head of him and confessing. 
healing, the pains of Calvary, when he died of sin in your sin, you have no more conscience of sin. The worshiper, once purged by the blood of Jesus, has no more desire of sin. Don't say you want sin, but you have no desire to do it. No more desire of sin. All goes out through the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. See the plan how God wants to redeem us? When we left Eden, it was a beautiful paradise of God of Eden, that lovely little sweetheart and the husband. And then by appalling, God just brings us right back again to redemption, to redeem us right back to our origin again. We're not taking us back to be angels. And you all go in these restaurants and hear that old squeaky uh, juice boxes or what you call it, squeaking a brown-eyed angel waits for me. Nonsense! If your beloved wife is gone or somebody, she waits for you as a human being. Immortal. God, no, he made angels, but he made us man. He made us human. He ain't redeemed us back to angels. He's redeemed us back to where we was in the first place. Human beings, eating, drinking. Somebody. You see? Oh, I thought just the way the cross leads back home. Then the Israelites, one stood there, well, they get to study, well, I'm not worthy. What else do I have to do? You don't have to do nothing. The only thing is, is to come under the shed blood. That settles it. One stood of the blood, you're saved. Hallelujah. Well, the death angel with his sword in his hand sweeping the land, you didn't have to wonder. No. And to be scared was an insult to Jehovah. Amen. If a man wants under the blood, feels afraid that God won't keep his word, it's an insult to him. Say, Jehovah, perhaps this is your word, but I don't know whether it's right or not. Oh, shame on you. One man wants to the blood. He said, I'm the Lord that healed thee. I believe it. That's all. Don't insult him. He said, he that cometh unto me out of the world, cast out. I believe it. Once coming out of the blood, take his word for anything he said. And every believer, here it is, get Every man or woman has once been brought under the blood of Christ. All fear and condemnation has gone out. Amen. Then he will believe every word that God writes in the Bible to be the truth. You'll not say this is not inspired and that's not inspired, but to believe every word of it. Amen. 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 Come to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. What a plan of redemption Jehovah alone lighted out for us. Lay out the carpet for us to come home on. Notice. Job back there, I like to think of him. He lived back even before this was ever ordered, only in Eden. And I like Job. I just love to listen to him as he's talking. He is a great man, a prince of the East. He goes to the East and all the young priests would bow down to him. He was a great man. He loved the Lord. He feared the Lord. One day Satan come up before God before the sons of God and said, God said, have you considered my servant Job a just man? Perfect, not like him in the earth. Oh, sure. You're giving him everything he wants. Got him all hedged up and everything, so no wonder. 
that sure he can serve you and make his money money, got plenty of cattle, got everything like that. Sure, he, anybody can serve you like that. So if you let me have him, I'll make him curse you to your face. God said, I don't believe it. Amen. How could he have that confidence in you and I tonight? See? I don't believe it. Said he's in your hands, but don't you take his life. So he come down, Satan in a whirlwind, and he destroyed all the barns, and he burned up the cattle and the horses and everything. And Job, when he, being a good man, believing in God, the only way that he had to come was through the burnt offering, through the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. So now he had several sons and daughters. And when he was seeing that his sons and daughters, he didn't know now him being a man that could afford to buy things, such as young folks would want, he didn't know whether they sinned or not. But he said, preventure they might have sinned. I'm going to offer a sacrifice for them because that's the only thing I know to do is to present before God the shed blood of the Lamb. Oh, if we had more fathers and mothers tonight so interested in their children that would offer the shed blood of the Lamb for their child every night at the throne of grace. We wouldn't have as much carrying on as we have amongst young folks. So he said, Provincial, they might have sinned. I don't know they have. But to make sure, mothers, you know, it's a shame today, and fathers, the how uninterested we are in children. And the little juvenile. You let the kids go out and just do as they please. Running out all night long and everything, they come in and seem to be so unconcerned about it. Let your girls go out with boys and smoke and drink and go to gambling devices and dance all night and come in and you say you're Christians and permit such stuff? Is that? That's not right. We should take them to the law. Be waiting up when come in, put your arms around her and say, Now, sweetheart, come here, let's kneel down and pray. Mother don't know just where you've been, trusting that you've been a good girl tonight. But preventure that you haven't. Let's offer the sacrifice of praise to God and give Him thanks. I tell you, you'd have different children today if they did that. We had more fathers like Job. The trouble of his mothers today go with their daughters out in such places. And some of them belong to churches too. That's just a little bit hard, but you know that's what does you good. It gets a little strong and stingy like, you know. It's good for you. Now, so then Job said, Now, to make sure of this, I'm going to offer the sacrifice of the burnt lamb for each of my children, whether if they have sinned. That's the only way I can present them, is up on the basis of the shed blood. That's God's only plan of redemption through the Lamb. So I'm offering it. And did you notice when the fires come down and burn up all he had? His children was all killed. I imagine Job thought, oh, I'm so happy because I offered the sacrifice for them. Because I presented them before God through the shed blood of the Lamb. Through God's provided way of redemption for my children. Notice what happened then. Then he broke out and boiled and set out on the ash heap out there scraping himself for the crop or something. His wife comes to the door. All of his friends is gone. Three church members come down and turn their back to him for seven days. Wouldn't even speak to him. Accused him of being a secret sinner. 
Not much consolation from the church then, was there? Secret sinner. But Job, listen, Job knew in his heart that he was a secret sinner. He confessed his sin upon the basis of the shed blood. And he knew that God was under obligation to meet him on those bases. Amen. The only propitiation for sin was the shed blood of the Lamb, which God promised redemption as a shadow to last until Christ come and Job had met God on those bases. He wasn't a secret sinner. He had no sin because he had offered the sacrifice that God had required. So his wife, kind of indifferent, come out and said, Job, said you look so miserable. Why don't you just curse God and die with death? He said, Now thou speakest like a foolish woman. Said the Lord, gave the Lord, taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. Yes. We brought nothing into this world, certainly take nothing out. The Lord gave the Lord, taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Sit around there, sheep. A man sincere that's got faith in the Word of God, and the Word of God had introduced to him the way back home to the shed blood of the Lamb, the carpet, the welcome man at the door is the shed blood. Amen. There you are, sinners. The welcome back home again to immortal life is through the shed blood of the innocent Son of God. Laying at the door. And tight, Joel knew that he had done all he could do. Perhaps maybe they tried, some of the theologians tried to say, Now, Joel, what strength is there in that blood of the Lamb that you're offering? Job said it's according to the Word. He required that. And he knew that he was innocent. So down from the east come a little prince by the name of L-I-U. In other words, God's manifestation of the free foreknowledge of the Lord Jesus, God himself. L meaning God. L-I-U. And he began to straighten Job up. He said, look, Job. He said, I'm not accusing you of being a secret sinner. But you have accused God wrong. And now, Job said, now look, I've noticed these trees, if they die, they live again. If a flower seed drops in the ground, it lives again. But man lays down, yea, he giveth up the ghost, his sons come to mark, he perceiveth not, he don't raise up no more. He lays there, said, oh, you hide me in the grave. In distress, honest man, getting just a little bit of child training. Maybe that's what's the matter tonight with some of us. I know it done me a lot of good. It does all of us a lot of good to get a little training like that. He said, I know I haven't sinned. I've offered myself. I put the sacrifice out there just according to God's word. And I believe that God has accepted it. I'm not a sinner. He said, that's right, Joe. said, you're watching those flowers, how they die, go into the ground. Springtime, they come back up again. But man lays down. He doesn't rise. The boy said, Job. And this way, so the children to get it. Said the flower never sinned. But man sinned. And now you're only operating under a shadow. But the times are coming when there will be one come, a worthy one, who can stand in the breach and put his hand on a sinful man and a holy God and bridge the way together. Amen. Then Job came up the land. Yes. 
took himself, stood up being a prophet, the Spirit come on him, and he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Oh, there you are. Through eyes of faith, 4,000 years ahead. He said, I see what you mean. That just one back there who was promising Eden. I know my Redeemer liveth. As the last days you stand on the earth, though the skin worms take me back like it did that fire, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Amen. Amen. Why? I've come on the basis of redemption. I've come offering the shed blood that represents his blood. This is the type, this is the lamb. But way back there, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him before the world ever started that God selected his blameless, spotless lamb. To take away the sin of the world. And in his brief knowledge of it, seen him slain before the foundation of the world was ever laid. Job got a vision of that. Don't make any difference what you say now. He believed it. And when he did, the lightning's flashed, the thunder's roared. What is it? The man of God getting back into the spirit. There's got to be a little noise somewhere. Amen. He got back into harmony with God. He said, My. Oh, there it is. And notice, God restored all back to him again. Restored his health back to him. Why? You Christians here tonight are sick. You may be sick. That may be all right. God may be trying you for something. But remember, look to the way of redemption. Christ is your Redeemer from sickness. Just keep holding to his unchanging hand. Look what he did the night before last. Look what he did the night before that. Look what he did last night. What's he going to do tonight? God only knows. It's all left up on you, how you approach it. If you come say, I'll try and see if it'll help me a little bit, you're wrong. You've got to come first, sanely, soundly, in God's provided way of approach to him. That's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that it is redemption. God made a way of redemption. Not your thoughts, what your heart says, not what your mind says. Notice, oh, this really sounds good to me. When Job got in the Spirit, the lightnings began to flash, and God restored to him. If he had 5,000 sheep, God gave him back 10,000 sheep. If he had 20,000 goats, he gave him back 40,000 goats. And if he had uh, 10,000 camels, he gave him back 20,000 camels. But I know that here's a beautiful picture. And God restored these seven children back to Job. Never gave him twice as many. He just gave him the same amount. His seven sons and daughters. I think it was. Restored his seven sons and daughters back to him. Never doubled them. Never gave him some more, but he restored them to him. Did you ever think about where he was at? It was in glory, waiting for him. You see it? Because he was a father who believed in God and offered the prayer and so forth and upon the basis of the shed blood, and God had saved them. They'd been saved because he had a faithful father and was waiting for him across the shadow of the that's what we need. Waiting on the other side because they come through the shed blood. 
the, the walkway, the welcome mob, put Matt back home again, come to God. The laws of redemption, a beautiful type set. And about Ruth, Neoma, the book of Ruth, some people just think, maybe we'll approach it just a moment. Ruth, or uh, Neoma, she was uh, lived in Bethlehem of Judea. Amalek was her husband. She had two sons. And a drought come on, so she left and went over into the land of Moab because she heard there was corn over there. A very beautiful picture here. Let's unfold it just a minute and look into it before we close. And her going away, perhaps not knowing then, a righteous woman, righteous man, going away not knowing what they were doing. You know, many times we have to walk the way we feel led to walk regardless of what the outcome of it will be. Right. Did you ever notice when the cattle was bringing the ark down the road, the calves back behind bawling for their mother, but the cows went down the road lowing. Not bawling. Lowing isn't bawling. Lowing singing. Them old cows pulling up, going to the rock to be crucified, going down the road singing, I am coming, Lord. Coming now to thee. Lowing as you're going. That's the way you come. With crucifixion, whatever it is. Self-denial. Go anyhow. The Spirit of God is pulling him down. There it is. So, Naomi went over to the other country in Moab. And there, her sons were married to two Moabite women. And after a while, she lost Amalek, her husband. The two boys just died, and Neoma was left alone with her two daughter-in-law. So she taken them out, and she kissed them, and said, I'm returning back to the homeland now, for she heard that God had brought corn again in her own land. So she was returning back after ten years. She lost all of her estate and everything, but she lost her husband. Lost her two sons, but she was returning back, so she kissed her daughter in law, and one of them's name was Orpah, and the other was named Ruth, and said, Now you all return to your mother's house, and may God give you peace in your mother's house, that, and respects of the dead. So Orpah kissed her mother in law and returned. And now Ruth, the Moabite woman, was a beautiful type of the Gentile bride. This may hurt little theology. But Neoma being a type of the Jewish church, the Orthodox Jewish church, losing her estate, and Ruth being a type of the, the Gentile woman, being a type of Christ taking the Gentile church. So she, when she was on her road, Ruth would not turn back. And she said, now look, I'm old. And if I had sons, she wouldn't wait for it. Go back home and, and marry and settle down. And she said... No, I will not go back. Ah, she said, return to your gods and to your country. She said, I'll go where you go. I'll let your people be my people. Yeah. Let your God be my God. Or yeah. you dwell, there I'll dwell. Or yeah. you die, there I'll die. Or you're buried, there I'll be buried. The Gentile church first, seeing the promise of God making a statement to sell out from everything to follow Jehovah God. You see it? 
She turned, seeing she's persistent. On she went back to the land. And as she came in to Bethlehem of Judea, when she came in, the people of Bethlehem said, Here comes Neoma. She said, Don't call me Neoma, which is pleasant. They call me Myra, which is bitter, for the Lord has dealt thus with me. Now, the beautiful part to look that when she came back, being the type of the, of the Jewish church, when she came back, she brought Ruth with her and came, listen, yet she came in barley season. Yes, at the time of the thrashing of the grain. And that's exactly the way the church is going back today. Just to begin a barley season. She'd seen a season before. But this was a new season after a long stay of drought. A type of a Gentile of the uh, Jewish church. In the beginning, when Pentecost fell, it fell on the Jews. And the Jewish church died out and the Gentile church come in and then all signs and wonders ceased. Now, notice... That was the former reign. Then the church, the Jewish church, is returning just in the latter reign. When the Holy Spirit is just being poured out again and the Jews now returning by the thousands back to Palestine. Oh, I wish we had a sermon in itself. Time won't permit much longer. I've got to hurry. Notice, a sermon in itself of a return of the Jews now bringing with them the Gentiles. And when they got there, it was barley season, the great thrashing was on, and they had a near kinsman named Boaz. And Ruth went out to glean in the field and was directed to Boaz the field, which was the kinsman. When she went out to glean, a type of the Gentile church taking up the Bible, the Old Testament, to learn of God, being heathen, now comes to learn of God. And while she was a gleaning in the field directed by the Holy Spirit to go into that field to glean, then up come Boaz. Boaz was a representative of Christ, for he was the Lord of the harvest. He was over all the harvest. And notice, as soon as he looked out in the field and saw that Gentile girl, he fell in love with her. Why? She was gleaning... Behind the reapers. That's what the churches had to do. Pick up a little bit here and a little bit there. Gleaning. Reading over there and seeing what Job done and what the rest of them done and how the way of redemption was made. Picking up these little gleanings behind the Jewish church. See what I mean? That grain that they were reaping represented life. Immortal life. Eternal life to us. Out of the Word. The word of God, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And here she was gleaning behind, picking up these little gleams. And the Lord of the harvest fell in love with her, her being an alien. What a picture. My, I just love that. And then he said, whose damsel is this? And they began to speak and said, it's the Moabite to come in with, with Neoma. And he went out to her and spoke peace to her. And said, don't you leave this field. God be merciful. Stay put. Don't be talked about whatever wind of doctrine. Stay in the word. All these things coming up like 
little saucers, flying saucers that go to come to the church and little wee men coming through testing the power of God all this fanaticism. Stay in the world! Stay right there! Don't you go from ever tossed about here and there. Stay right with the Word. Believe the Word. All right. And then he went over and commissioned. He said, Now when you're tired, come over and drink out of the bucket. I like that, don't you? Then he said, come in to the young man that was going forth with the sickle. He said, now let her glean any what she wants to. And every once in a while, drop just a little handful on purpose. Amen. I like that. <laughs> just a little handful on purpose. A little old-fashioned revival stirs up the water a little bit.
it by His grace. There is a near kinsman. God made flesh and dwelt among us, becoming kinfolks to the human being. A kinsman. The next he must be must be financially able to do it. And who would be more financial? What kind of a debt could be paid? When God owns all the universes there is and all the spaces and all the times and everything else, He was able financially. Hallelujah. But when He was in the form of spirit, He could not do it because He was spirit and man was human. And the spirit was made flesh and dwelt among us to become temples to us in order to redeem us. You see it? Notice. There's a spread of welcome to you tonight when God, stripping himself, coming out of the ivory palaces, taking upon himself the form of sinful flesh, to humiliate himself to come down to be kinfolks to the poorest beggar there is in the world, right? To become a kinfolks to him. Jehovah himself made kinfolks to a beggar. The foxes have dens and the birds have nests, but the son of man don't have a place to lay his head. Born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, yet the very Prince of Glory. The day springs from Ohio. Humiliating, bringing himself down, condescending, coming down to be made sin, folks, with a sinner. Think of it, people! How can you reject that master's love? What was it? When God became a sinner, taking our sin. Jesus became me that I might become him. The innocent Lamb of God who know no sin became a sinner that I might be made adopted son of God. Amen. There's a picture of true redemption. How he came down worthy, robbed himself, no home, no place to go. Humiliated himself, brought himself down in sinful flesh, and took upon him not the nature of angels, not the nature of God, took upon himself the nature of man, that he might walk with man, eat with man, sleep with man, and die for man. There you are, the whole plan from the beginning, the spotless Lamb of God. There he is, the bread of life, here on earth. Now, the next thing had to be done. A kinsman redeemer had to be kinfolks real close to the person to redeem it. And the next thing had to be that he had to be worthy to redeem it. Righteous, a good person. Just an outlaw couldn't do it. And who would be any more worthy than Jehovah himself? Becoming flesh. The next thing he had to do was make a public testimony. And he had done it. So Boaz the next morning ran to the gates and waited. And when the elders began to gather in, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they gathered all the elders of the city outside the gate. Oh, God, have mercy. Listen, the public testimony could not be made in the city. It had to be made outside the gate. Before the elders. And he called the elders out and said, This day I have redeemed Neoma. 
And if there's anyone, just one fellow was there, but he couldn't redeem it. Was the kids the two, but he couldn't redeem it. So it all fills the boys. He said, I have to redeem Neoma. And our brother's estate, I'll take it all back. And the one day said, I am a witness this day, each one, that you have redeemed it. And he plucked off his shoe and handed it to his neighbor as an ensign, as an ensign that he had redeemed everything. Put his arms around his little sweetheart 
to walk out with her. But God had condemned him. And he started out with his arms around his darling. Adam was not deceived. He didn't have to walk out. But he walked out because he loved his wife. He walked out with both eyes wide open. No matter if she had to go to torment, he'd go with her. When God looked down and seen that love of a human being, it was so great that he couldn't stand it himself. That's right. He said, I'll come and go too. And he said, I'll put enmity between her seed and the serpent seed. Listen closely. Four thousand years later, yonder in the city of Jerusalem, let's change our scenes and look. There's come down the streets of Jerusalem, bumpity, bumpity, bump, out the gates of Damascus, center goes towards Golgotha, a little fellow with a crown of thorns on his head and a cross over his shoulder. Look all over his back, his little red spots, what are they? Look back at when Adam was leaving with his sweetheart, going out under condemnation with a shadow, a shadow of redemption somewhere because there was blood running over him. Somewhere that was a shadow. He knew it. And I hear something going, what is it? It's the old bloody sheepskin beating up and down on his legs, speaking of some, some. There's a land beyond the river that they call the sweet forever. And we only reach that shore by faith degree, knowing that someday they get back into Eden again. Yep. And I just see him going down there now, the second Adam, going up the yellow little spots on his back. They get bigger, bigger, bigger as he walks on. What is it? After a while, they all go into one spot. I hear something beating again. What is it? There goes the second Adam. No more than Jehovah himself who comes down and was made flesh. Jesus Christ. 
God so loved the world that He gave so loved. Adam so loved Eve that He went out with her. Christ so loved the church that He went with her. God so loved the world. Adam went with Eve in her wrong. She was wrong. He knows you're wrong. He was innocent, but she was guilty. But Adam said, I'll go with her. And Christ looked at the church and knowing it was wrong, yet Christ went with us to take our place under as a sinner to die for us, to take the sting out of death for us. Sinner, how can you reject such matchless love? No wonder Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. In the last days he's going to stand upon the earth and though the skin worms destroys this body, yet my flesh shall I see God. I'll see him for myself. My eyes shall behold and not another. Do you believe it tonight? Our times have swayed from us. Oh, how the Holy Spirit seems to be moving in my heart. I can't think of nothing, friends, nothing no greater than how that Jesus come down here on earth and made the way of redemption and fulfilled every plan. Plumb from the Garden of Eden, way before that, before the foundation of the world, Jehovah spoke. And here comes Jesus taking his taking a spot and went out here and come and died, was made sin that you could be saved. How could you reject such matchless love as that blessed Redeemer hanging out of the gobs of spit in his face, mockery and scandalized, and a crown of thorns on his head, an innocent man dying under the blood dripping from Emmanuel's veins, where sinners can plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Shall we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, oh God, with my heart turning around and around and seeing Knowing that you're here, see you move out over this audience in a form of a big bright light, speaking visions breaking forth, knowing that the time is at hand right now, soon you shall send Jesus again, and he'll come to this earth. No man knoweth the minute or hour, not even the angels, but the Father only. And here he comes to the earth again, time way past due like it was the days of Noah, the long-suffering when the ark was being prepared wherein seven souls were savory. Now today is coming way past due. Way overdue. Should have been here a long time ago. But God's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. The doormats laid out the welcome mat tonight. God's plan of redemption through the offering up of the blood of the Lord Jesus once for all to cleanse the guilty, unworthy, Sinner and bring him into reconciliation with God and restore him back into the Garden of Eden with his wife, his loved ones. Never to die no more, never to be sick, never to have a heartache, never to be no more funerals, no more graves to be dug. Oh, God, no more weary, nothing, it's all over. Washed in the blood of the Lamb with this perfect assurance that Jesus Christ once come under his blood, we're safe from the angel of death. It cannot touch us. God, if there be some here tonight, Thou knowest the hearts of all men. While the Holy Spirit's a-moving over this audience, God grant that they'll receive Thee just now as their personal Savior. Those that's backslidden, may they come back be ashamed tonight. May the sick all be healed tonight, Lord. May the Holy Ghost fall on every hungry heart and moisten that ground. Get them ready, it ain't long. The great hours are in sight, atomic bombs, explosions and things. 
perplexed of time, distressed between the nations, man's heart failing fear, sea roaring, great fearful sights appearing on the earth. You said in that day the ones that know their God will do exploits. Here we are seeing all these things happen. God made the voice of warning sweep into every heart just now. For Jesus' sake and in his name, while we have our heads bowed, there be one in here tonight, don't know one, look, just keep your head down and pray, please, just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you something, knowing that I'm standing now between the living and dead, knowing this may be the last time that you'll ever get an opportunity to do this. You know your heart, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. You know where you're standing. If you desire a prayer that you might receive Christ as your Savior and come God's way of the shed blood through redemption, and you know you've practiced church, you've played church, but in your heart you know you've never been redeemed. Know that there's something there, carnality, envy, strife, temper. Don't don't just play it any longer. Let's come to the Lord Jesus. Will you raise your hand to Him tonight? Say, God, be merciful to me. I now accept it with all my heart. Will you please come to me at this hour? God bless you. Someone else, God bless you. Someone else, God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balconies, God bless you. God bless you. You. Over to my right, someone else, God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Someone here on the bottom floors, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, son. Oh, my, just look. God bless you. I knew the Holy Spirit was here. God bless you, sir. Someone else. Say, God, be merciful to me. I see you back there, sir. I see a little fellow over there, the young boy. God be with you. Every Christian praying now. It's on praying ground. What is it? The way of redemption. The way of the cross. You might belong to church, but that don't mean nothing. That's all right. I have nothing against it, but that's not coming through the way of redemption. Through the blood, by the washing of the water, by the word. That's the way you come to Christ. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word. Not joining of the church, hearing of the word. By faith are you saved through grace. God speaking at your heart. Here not long ago I told a young lady, I believe God's calling you tonight, sister. She said, if I want somebody to talk to me, I want somebody that's got more sense about it. And I said, well, sister, I can only say the Holy Spirit's telling me. She said, I don't want to hear that no more. A year later, I passed through that city, and that girl had become a prostitute. Her clothes hanging low on her, offered me a drink of whiskey. And she said, I shamed her. And she said, you know what, preacher? You remember the night you told me I ought to be saved? I said, yes, I do. She said, that was the truth that I crossed the separating line there. I grieved God from my heart the last time. said, here's the remark that girl made. said, I could see my mother's soul frying hell like a pancake and laugh at it. Hard-hearted. Oh, friend, don't ever walk up to that line. When God's long-suffering, but when he knocks, he, my spirit will not always strive with man. Will you raise your hand now? Not to me, to God. And by doing that, saying, God, be merciful to me. I don't want to die, sinner. I want to come your way. I want to come the way of the cross. I want you to come into my heart right now and save me. Someone else, raise your hand anywhere in the building. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. God bless you. You, that's right. That's fine. Up in the balconies, anywhere around, I raise your hand. God bless you, young lady. I see your hand. God bless you, lady up there. Way back, I see you. God sees you, too. Right now, he's speaking peace. God bless you, lady. God bless you, little girl. Oh, that's wonderful. Friend, keep your head bowed. I feel led to do something right now. 
I feel led to bring those people right here to all let me pray for them. I feel it right now is the time. Will you raise up out of your seat? Come here and let me just stand here and pray with you a little bit. Will you do it? Every person that wants to receive Christ, the Holy Spirit tell me to do that. Will you just raise up and come here? That's just a public testimony. If you love Jesus, you know He loves you. Raise up out of your seat, will you? Let's stand to your feet, everybody, just a moment. Stand to your feet. From Emmanuel's Watch you come upon the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. 
Here comes a lady coming, bringing her little boy. That's the way to come. Won't you come? You that's backslidden, you that's away from God, you that desires God now, won't you come up a little closer? Come on, move up here so we can pray together. Say, Lord, he's laid out the blanket, don't you see? Welcome you home through the plan of redemption by his own beloved son. God bless you, young man. Maybe I cannot exactly reach your hand, but God knows you. Come, sister. Where sits by faith I
wonderful time. Wonderful young ladies coming, young men coming, still to 